Florida Motorcycle Safety Society and welcome to Think Bike, a podcast about all things motorcycle and the voice of motorcycle safety and awareness in Alberta. We like to talk about everything motorcycle related and bring you great guests to share their stories. So thank you for tuning in. On today's podcast, we are bringing back our good friend, Justin Napick, who is, yes, from Edmonton Fire Rescue Services, but he is also a road racer and owner of On Track Performance. And topic today, improvements on gear. Man, gear has come a long way from when I started riding, probably from when you started riding, Justin, but welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you say that every time. It's like you've rehearsed it or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always excited to come and hang out with you guys. Well, we definitely appreciate it. Um, gear, I mean, like I said, when I got into riding, uh, probably I looked like a boy on a bike. Um, it was not flattering, and I'm a gear person. And, well, I'm going to – truth is – first couple of years, I was not a very good gear person and I'm very lucky nothing happened, but gears come a long way and tech in gear has come a long way. So let's start with, first of all, from a firefighter perspective, from a road racer perspective, what is the gear everybody should really be riding with all the time? That's such a good question. If Everybody has a limited amount of resources on what they're going to be able to spend on their motorcycle, on their gear, on the tires and the oil and everything else that goes with this sport. And um, I think one of the things that kind of gets overlooked is the fact that um, the gear that you have is really what keeps you healthy for being able to stay in this sport for a long period of time. So I've had... uh, the opportunity, I guess I can say to have had, um, dozens of crashes on the racetrack. And the reason that I'm fairly un unscathed is, uh, mostly due to the fact that I've had an opportunity to have really good gear over the years. Um, I've also had, uh, some collisions on the street and, uh, one of them was uh, me getting hit by a, a one ton cube van while, you know, going for a ride to go for a coffee. So the reason that once again, I was fairly unscathed is because I had good gear. And the biggest thing I would say is your helmet. That is the number one, because everything else on your body can be injured, broken, torn, hurt, but there's no way to really come back from a heavy head injury. And we've seen this now, you know, um, Unfortunately, with some of our our racing um, over the years with a few of the different uh, um, racing organizations that I've been with is that some of these head injuries are are lifelong um, injuries, even with good gear. You can imagine what would happen when, you know, we're not wearing good gear. So some of the helmet uh, technology has really come a long way and uh, we're, we're starting to see not only just different designs, but different standards that have come out. So the current standards that uh, we're seeing are things like the ECE 2205, um, the Snell 2020, and then a new standard, which is the FIM standard that's uh, coming out. Um, you're starting to see a lot more of these coming out in our street helmets. But we're also seeing some really cool technology come out. So things like uh, the MIPS technology that uh, like uh, manufacturers like Bell are using. And the entire idea with that is that when your head hits the ground, that rotational um, 
force that's put in uh, goes and it's directly put into your brain while by making it so that your helmet and the um, and the ground can slide independently, it makes it so that uh, you don't get that rotational force in your brain. And it's uh, really helping with a lot of our concussion syndromes that we're seeing. So this is coming out in our dirt bike gear, in our adventure riding gear, in our our road race gear. And I have it in my own uh, road race helmets that I use uh, with uh, some of the bell helmets that I've got. Um, so there's some really, really neat tech that's starting to come out with that. And uh, it's it's something to definitely be taking a look at and be researching before you start purchasing a new helmet. Owning $2,000 helmets aren't necessarily what you need, though, in order to try and be able to have yourself a good, safe helmet. So taking a look at some of those standards that I took a look at and I was explaining, those are a good place to start for sure. What about the, not just the peel and stick DOT sticker, but there is the DOT with all the letters and numbers after that is that like a higher than standard dot that's more acceptable because i hear people are like it has to be snell has to be eca you know where's where's your thoughts on that so the dot is not truly a organization that puts out a standard they do have a standard that they recognize but these other um other standards that i stated the ece the snell and the fim those are um, testing facilities that have a, a standard. So if you can find something with those, that goes a long way. Um, DOT is really sort of your lowest common denominator from um, when you're taking a look for your helmets. And uh, in our racing organizations uh, that I race with uh, across the Western United States and Canada, the DOT standard isn't even recognized. Interesting, because it is with you land speed race at uh, the Bonneville Salt Flats. Interesting. Okay. It is interesting. So, yeah. Um, when we take a look at the helmets, the other thing that uh, I want to make sure to mention is that the fitment of the helmet is just as important as making sure that you have a helmet that meets the, the standard. So, you know, gone are the days of grabbing, you know, cousin Jed's uh, helmet that's three sizes too big and throwing it on and hoping for the best. Um, if you're, you know, really looking at trying to make sure to keep yourself safe, you want a well fitting helmet and going to, a um, a shop, finding somebody that is knowledgeable in fitting you with a helmet, it goes a long way in keeping you safe. Well, and I would add to that, that every manufacturer fits differently. Like I've got, I've got a showy, which is a small and I've got an icon, which is a medium and they both fit super snug, don't move and are, are comfortable for me. Most definitely that's, and there's different shell shapes for everybody's head as well. Um, I know like myself, I, I find that the Arai helmets are a, a fantastic build. However, they don't fit my head well, whereas the the bell helmets that I race in have always fit me perfectly. And it's just because the shell shape can be a little bit different, even with a um, a size that's appropriate. So making sure to try on some helmets, finding out what you like, the manufacturers that kind of uh, fit you, that, that all goes a long way. And a part of that is going to your local dealership and uh, talking to some of the, you know, the trained professionals that are there to be able to try and do that for you. For sure. Now, one last thing on helmets before we move on to the next part of gear is um, although the Bonneville Salt Flats and Landspeed Racing does accept DOT, 
they need the 18 numbers that are after it. Um, the one thing that they actually are very big sticklers on is age. Yes. Can you speak to that? So that for our racing organizations, we always will have an age limit in. Um, and that has to do more with the fact that um, helmets as they, you know, uh, as they age can end up becoming less safe a part of it is because if you spent five years sweating inside the same helmet and putting heat into it and moisture and heat and moisture it breaks down some of the the materials so we have the same thing with any of our uh, racing organizations there's a five-year limit um, and that is something that they'll stay you know uh, stay on top of Um, for your average you know, person that is riding, that's something to consider most definitely. But if you have a a helmet that's six years old, do you throw it in the garbage? Not necessarily. As long as it's still well-fitting, as long as it, the foam is not packed out. I wouldn't say that we, you know, that, uh, that we're expecting everybody to start throwing their, their helmets in the garbage after five years, but it is definitely something that you want to consider is that after a certain time, your helmets will deteriorate. If I can make a suggestion for anybody out there who is willing to depart with a perfectly good helmet or a slightly damaged helmet that isn't totally damaged, can you maybe send them our way because we might be able to work with Justin in his other venture of being a firefighter and donating those for training of removing helmets. You know. yeah, that would be that would be something that uh, in the event that uh, somebody were to have, it would be definitely helpful. Yeah. So um, we could probably touch on some of the other gear and uh, I really want to kind of touch on some of the, the new technology that's, uh, that's come out as well. Um, before we get into some of the new technology though, I want to touch base on the things that, uh, that people kind of forget about. It's the fact that every single day, you know, uh, when you start the morning, first thing in the morning and you uh, grab your coffee, the first thing you do is you, you grab them with those hands of yours, right? It's really, really tough to go through life when your hands don't work appropriately. And a part of that is, is because we find sometimes people don't even ride with gloves at all. You know, they like the freedom of being able to, to ride without. However, your hands are incredibly complicated pieces of equipment and being able to make sure that not only are, you know, uh, are they working appropriately, but that they work appropriately for the rest of your life is a a pretty major thing. So taking a look at not only a a glove that has good double stitching, has good palm protection, um, that's a a huge aspect to kind of look at. Uh, Making sure that uh, it's actually got a bit of a cuff to it, so it is a, a gauntlet style glove, that goes a really long way. And I see that actually in some of our um, accidents that I go to on the street is that we get a lot of guys, they they'll go out and they've got their little stunter style gloves, like the dirt bike style gloves on. The unfortunate part is, is that as they put their hand down, the first thing they do is they put the palm down and they expose the inside of their cuff right where their wrist is. And that wrist is a very soft exposed piece of flesh you definitely don't want that to be sliding across the ground at 80 or hundred kilometers an hour. It, it doesn't feel good and it doesn't look good when, uh, when you've gone through, uh, you know, uh, a slide. So having a bit of a cough goes a long way. Um, boots, 
being able to walk, you know, is, uh, I would say is another important thing. Uh, I've, you know, I've had a, a tibia injury, even in a really, really good set of dirt bike boots. Um, I can assure you that uh, we see a lot of injuries where people will get flicked off of a bike. And when their feet hit the ground that, uh, you know, they, they tend to start breaking some, breaking some uh, bones. And so having good, equipment goes a long way when it comes to making sure that not only do you have the slide potential by having leather, um, but also making sure that you've got something that maybe has some armor built into it. So there's all sorts of stuff that are available to, you know, every style of riding, whether it be from adventure riding to um, riding a, a cruiser or a sport bike. So there's a lot of different footwear that's available and a lot of really, really good equipment out there. Um, Converse are cool, but, uh, have you ever seen someone go down with Converse on? Cause they don't look cool anymore. I, we, we can tell some stories, uh, once we're all done here, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it where a lot of, uh, a lot of shoes, skate shoes are, are my nemesis. I've seen them 40 feet away from where the patient comes to, to stop. So you got to try really give that some consideration, hands, feet, head, those are are big, big things. Other things to consider are armor for your spine. Mm -hmm. So when you take a look, a lot of your leather jackets, so no matter whether you're just a, a regular street rider or whether you're, um, you know, a, a sport bike rider on a racetrack, there are definitely different levels of spine protection. And some of it is built right into, into the equipment now. So when you take a look at uh, a lot of the leather jackets, you're going to find that there's a, a thin piece of foam that's in there. It's all upgradable. And some of the really good uh, leather jackets that are available will actually have um, some CE uh, approved uh, back protectors inside there. Those go two ways. One is for impact. And the other thing is, is that it's there for abrasion. So if you're sliding on your back, it gives you that additional piece of uh uh, equipment there to make sure that you don't necessarily slide through and injure your spine. Obviously, spine, head, hands, feet, those are the major things that you really have to consider. So the other super cool thing that's really come out here in the last few years is we're starting to see airbags become available and not just for uh, racers like myself. We're seeing it that it's now um, commercially available for your average road rider. So any single person can go out and purchase an airbag now, be able to put it on, charge it up with a USB, go out for a ride and be able to be protected by um, a vest that will protect a lot of your um, upper extremities and your spine as well. So there's a, a huge uh, sort of push for that. Um, when we take a look at, um, performance riding. So, you know, like what I do with, uh, our on track performance riding school and, uh, with the Edmonton motorcycle racing association, um, we're actually really pushing hard for that type of, uh, equipment. And, uh, I know personally I've been racing in a, an airbag suit for a couple of years and I've even upgraded this year to, uh, to a new suit, um, through a stars, which, actually um, protects all the way down into your uh, mid thigh and all the way up your kidneys, your back, your shoulders, down through your arms as well. So there's a, a huge um, technological advance that's gone into that. And uh, we keep seeing these big sort of jumps in safety. It's really very, very cool. 
Well, I know when that first started coming out, it was like the MotoGP, the Mark Marquez, the, you know, Valentino Rossi, all those guys were the ones who, well, A, could afford it because <laughs> oh. new technology is always expensive until they figure out how to make it affordable for the rest of us. So obviously we've come closer to that for the average everyday person and it will continue to probably drop in price as they get more efficient but how exactly does i got two questions on your new suit how exactly does it know when to deploy and b how does that feel on your junk like you gotta ask if it's going all the way down to your mid thigh i got you guys got some things there if there's an airbag popping off i'm not sure i want to be a boy in a airbag suit well I'll start with I'll start with the start here. Um, so the it's actually really interesting is that you know you talk about MotoGP um, that those racing organizations have gathered information and algorithms through thousands of crashes. So thank you, Mark Marquez, for pitching your bike into the weeds. Because when they take that information, they start to learn from it what happens on on a, a bike and what happens with a rider when they come departed from a bike. So they have these different algorithms that are inside, and then they use the same sensors that are inside the the equipment is what you're finding in a lot of our um, high-end sport bikes. So you'll find a lot of those uh, those Bosch sensors that uh, are taking a look at like pitch and yaw, speed, GPS, uh, you know, speed uh, locations. It uh, will take a look at all of these things, and it uh, it'll put together a uh, an idea of whether you've come you know, unhinged from your motorcycle. And they are very, very good. Um, taking a look at uh, Climb has a, a vest now. Um, in Motion has a vest. Um, they, uh, you know, they're they're starting to come up with some stuff that is actually rather affordable as well. Um, Alpen Stars has been a, a huge innovator of uh, of these, and they have vests for um, for our road racers and our road riders. So um, all of these things all kind of uh, have have all kind of come a long way then to get to the second part um i haven't uh had a opportunity to uh test out the new suit um the entire idea of having these full coverage suits is really um this is brand new to uh to Alpenstar's lineup, and uh, because of this this huge innovation, um, on track performance has actually moved all of our instructors uh, over into the A Stars gear, specifically because they've got these big um, leaps and bounds in safety. Well, you didn't quite answer the question of how that might feel. Are you anticipating? Okay, let's just face I, it. I'm not Justin. anticipating an issue, mostly because it is on the outside of my hips. But <laughs> I will let you know. I'll, I'll uh, send you an email after I uh, after I pitch the bike into the weeds the first time. Okay. <laughs> well, I. I- you know, I guess it'd be really bad for me to say, I, I hope I'm out at the racetrack when you, when you test that out, that I'm going to come over and go, so how did that feel? Yeah. Um, so the best is we'll get off that. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because we, we have talked about air suits before and, and that was, uh, that's always been a thought in my head. Um, the vests themselves, though, do they go under your jacket or they, do they go over and so they can actually work in both ways, but usually it's under your jacket. So if you've got a, a textile jacket that you ride in, so um, let's take a look at, let's say one of our adventure riders. 
they put their, you know, their nice, uh, you know, textile jacket over top. Well, underneath that, they can just wear their air vests and, uh, and be protected. Um, same thing happens with, uh, you know, with a, a road racer is that you put it on underneath your leather. So that uh, that's all sort of available to you. And they're rather thin. They're, they're not really one of those things that gets in the way. Um, when I put my my road race suit on, I don't even realize that it's there. So it's uh, it's one of those things that I don't think it uh, will hinder anybody. And to be honest, even the cost of it is very um, accessible now. Um, they're about five hundred dollars to to get in for an entry level um, sort of suit, uh, a vest, and I mean for the cost of it and what it can do, I I really feel that they're a huge asset to our riders now. It's really great to see that that's come to a point where, like, even for me, I'm like five hundred dollars is like it's nothing if we're talking about my spine my, my torso, um, you know, those things, because like I do have back protection in most of my jackets and the ones that I don't, I do have a spine protector that I can wrap on me under my jacket because over the years and things I've seen and and stories I've heard, you know, it's just, there's just so much preventable stuff you can do to put yourself in the best position possible. Absolutely. what is okay before we before we go i got like a couple more quick ones for you what is the biggest don't in gear the biggest don't in gear is making sure that you are not just purchasing based on what it looks like and actually purchasing something that has protection that's available if you're going to purchase something for your bike that is going to protect you please make sure that it fits, make sure that it is a quality item because a lot of people will ride and they ride in a pace that, you know, uh, they're doing it because they feel like they're protected. But if you've gone through and you've bought the least expensive item to go on to your $40,000 motorcycle, don't let it be your gear. Okay. Second one would be, we, you know, we all know about the heated gear. I tried a cooling vest for the very first time last year. I know road races are probably quite big on cooling vests. Thoughts? I love it. I, I've i raced in Utah when it uh, was 42 degrees Celsius and uh, felt like I was in an oven. Uh, I raced in Mossport when it was uh, 98% humidity and uh, 35 degrees celsius um a cooling vest goes a, a long way it uh, it definitely helps um that heated gear though there is something special about having heated grips and uh, and a heated vest on when you're going for your your first spring ride so i would say that uh, taking a look at that there's a lot of different options that are available now and uh, to be honest the bikes are even coming with um you know with uh hookups for them now for a lot of the gear so i know uh my my bmw has uh the, the bike i race on has heated grips and it has uh, a hookup for a heated vest and i've thought about it a few times <laughs> yeah i've got a. I remember i was so anti-heated gear for the longest time I'm like oh you're all wimps you're all wimps until i got caught in the rain in like bc in the middle of a mountain pass and as soon as i got home i'm like hook me up and yeah. i've never looked back well, it's one of the things that you can consider is that you make bad decisions when you're hypothermic. So <laughs> you want to make some good decisions, stay warm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, last one, and then I'm going to let you go. 
want to, just because we're friends and I know I can do this too, do you want to take a crack at what FIM stands for? Ooh, Federation International. No, you got to do it the right way. You have to do it the right way. Oh no, you're going to get, you want me to put in a little bit of uh, a Spanish? uh, No, a little, a little en français. Oh, I can't even try it. Federation. Federation. Okay, Federation. (laughs) International. International. Wow, that's, that was more of a lisp than an accent, but I'll try it. De motocyclisme. De motocyclisme. Yeah, that, that. Yeah, that. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you a, a, a solid B plus on that effort. Right, a, three, I, a three out of 10. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I definitely appreciate the fact that we can talk about some serious stuff and have some fun too. Um, for those of you listening, if you go into our YouTube channel, actually you can pull up our campaign launch from 2022, where Justin was a panelist on that show and he ripped apart my choice in gloves in front of me without telling me he was going to do so. Uh, we actually went through a lot of gear and you can have a good look at, at uh, his race suit as well. Um it's a really good visual rundown of things that we were talking about. And so again, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you always being there to help us out. And, uh, yeah, hopefully by the time this airs, you haven't had too many crash bang booms on the, on the track, try and keep it upright this year. Well, uh, I'll try and do my best. I'll, uh, I'll give that <laughs> the old solid effort anyways. Sounds good. Thank you again, Justin. We'll be talking again soon. I'm sure. Sounds great. Thank you. Our mailbag for today comes from Shannon and Grand Prairie wanting to know about does my Alberta registration and or insurance cover me if I ride in other countries and not necessarily just the U.S.? All right, here's the thing. I actually cannot answer this for you. You can go the U.S. very freely, travel back and forth, possibly Mexico. I think we have an agreement all the way down there. Um, However, past that, Every country has different rules. You may require an international driving permit. You may require special insurance to bring your motorcycle into said country that also might require an international driving permit. It could be a combination, could be separate, could be anything else. The the problem is the world is a really big place. And if I were to sit here and try and answer that for you on a mailbag, we're going to be here for a really long time. My suggestion to you, Google traveling outside Canada with your vehicle or try travel.gc.ca. Lots of great information there about going to other countries um, or Google the country and, and say, what are my requirements to bring my motorcycle there? Whether you're shipping it or riding to the most southern point of South America, which seems to be the thing to do these days. You are responsible for doing the research. Sorry, I can't do that for you, but there's just so many different rules. And that is our show today. 
To make sure that you don't miss out on any of our upcoming podcasts or to listen to previous ones, make sure you click on subscribe or follow wherever you get yours. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a guest you think would be great on the show or a question for the mailbag, let us know. You can connect with us through all the socials, email us at info at ab-amss.org or reach out to us through the website at ab-amss.org. Always remember to ride smart, ride safe, and think bike. We'll see you out on the road.